Oh, we're recording. <laughs> Are you going or am I going? <laughs> <laughs> you go first. Okay. Hi, babe. We're back. We're back. How do you feel? Doing it too. Yeah. I'm excited. We've had quite a long break, which I have to be honest, I've enjoyed, but <laughs> I've missed this. Yeah, I so agree. I think it was a good break, though. It gave us time to reflect, to think about what we've done, think about what we're going to do next. I definitely think it was a well-earned break. I agree, and I'm very excited for season two and this episode. You're listening to the Unpretty Podcast, where we explore perceptions of beauty through the lens of black and non-black people of colour. I kind of wanted us to reflect over things that have happened since we've stopped recording but yeah. I just don't have enough time yeah can't keep up it's like a new week's every also new week's every week new month is every month cheat last week was about the gorilla glue like gorilla glue girl last we week last month last month I don't even know what last days month. weeks are yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yeah the new cycle is, I mean, it's always like this, but there's always something else. I mean, this week, so we are recording on Monday, March the 8th, which is also International Women's Day. So happy mm-hmm. International Women's Day to the Unfreed Podcast crew and our female listeners. But yeah, I haven't watched the famous Meghan, Harry and Oprah interview. Have you? I've seen a lot of it. I just kind of felt like I didn't want to restrict myself from information that was already like readily available, but I will watch it properly later. But from what I'm mm. grasping, whew, it's a uh, feisty. It's, it's caused a lot of a lot of conversations on the old socials today. What do you think oh, of it, the little things you've seen? Um, I am unsurprised mm-hmm. by what I have seen. To be, if I'm completely honest, I haven't seen any clips from the interview because I just want to see everything all in its full context mm. rather than just like people's reactions and the clips that they're most outraged by. Sure. But I have seen reactions mm-hmm. and I'm very, I'm ready. I'm ready to to see this and I'm ready to actually hear what people who kind of have minimized her experience Mm. and the experience of black and brown people in Mm. this country to see if they you know think differently now having having listened to her. I've got a question for you do you think this conversation should have been done here on the British side of things and in a British way or do you think it being done in a very American Oprah point of view it's is it very Americanized in the way it's been done which is also slightly more dramatic I think the British are probably a bit more cynical about the way they approach things they're a little bit more subdued the theatrics of it being Oprah do you think that's made it bigger than it would have been had it been done over here I think yes it definitely has made it bigger but what I would say is that um this I just don't think that the British media, no offence to the British media, well, actually, you know, it is what it is, would have done it um, full justice. I think that it's by nature, like even just thinking about conversations that I have about race with Mm. um, people who seem to be quite liberal, there tends to be often a defence, which actually, I think we've all had experiences where we're trying to explain how um something is offensive or hurtful sure, and sure. 
it gets undermined and we are told that we are being overdramatic, etc. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, even looking at the reactions from the British media this morning, um, I don't think any UK media outlet would have been able to do it just unfortunately. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Probably right. Also, don't argue and don't ever try and fault Auntie Oprah because she will. She will always do it justice. There's no one quite like it. Mm. Before we get into the episode, we wanted to talk about the Stop Asian Hate movement. Obviously, we stand by our East and Southeast Asian brothers and sisters. It's a super important movement. And we've seen it swirling all over social media. I don't think it's something people should just watch and walk past. We definitely need to stop, recognise and spread the message. Absolutely. And also, I think this is an opportunity, again, for some self-inflection to understand how we might contribute or minimise the experiences of our East and Southeast Asian friends. Agreed. So... This is our first episode, Chi. In our first episode, we're talking to two brilliant entrepreneurs. Absolutely. There's something super admirable about black and brown entrepreneurship, particularly these two guests that we've got lined up who are really looking into cultural rituals and the ingredients from their cultural backgrounds and creating clean beauty brands for all. Yeah, amazing. I'm really excited to get into this one. On today's episode, we have Leila Jean Washington. Leila is a natural hair and lifestyle blogger known as Nethi Propo, who shares her natural hair philosophy and beauty tutorials on her YouTube channel, Fusions of Culture. While sharing her experience in transitioning to natural hair, she amassed a huge following and has since set up a vegan skincare brand called Wild Seed. Botanical. And also joining us is Akash Mehta. Akash started his career at 22 as the youngest manager at Estee Lauder Companies and now runs his own brand consulting firm. He co-owns the clean hair care label Fable & Main with his sister Nikita and was named Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2019. Do you know what? I turned 30. I know I turned 30 last year and I, I think the most devastating thing was that I never made same, it. 30 under 30 same, same. I was so upset. <laughs> I'm so upset. I'm so upset. I was like, oh, I missed it. Yeah, guys, I literally felt the same when I turned 30. I was just like, oh, Like, at this point, it's just... Well, they've got 35 under 35, so there's still a chance. We've got time. Welcome, guys. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Before we start, we like to ask our guests how they identify themselves culturally and ethnically if they're two different things so Akash I define myself as British Indian so born and raised in London but of Indian heritage um so that's pretty much it and Leila what about you um so I am Ghanaian so I was actually born and raised in Ghana um and I came to the UK when I was about eight years old um and then within that just um ethically ethically um from both the Hausa and the Shanti tribes as well so that's really important to me I like to always point it out (laughs) I didn't know that there was Hausa tribe there was a Hausa tribe in Ghana is it related to the Nigerian Hausa or no well um yes yes and no but mostly yes because you know the Hausa people are travelers so um Mm. most of them you can find them in most like sub-Saharan African countries and um, yeah, most of us originated from what is now currently known as modern day Nigeria. 
Um, <laughs> I yeah. I like how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Wrong>. yeah, <laughs> after they came and left. Yeah, really. <laughs> we really wanted to know how you started both your companies. Obviously, I always think this. I don't know if you're the same. I always think when people start businesses, I'm like, what do you, what, like, how do you just like start a business? Like, how, where do you even begin? Especially with that? something like a beauty brand that obviously yeah. requires like extensive research. And then on top of that, you've got branding. Like, yeah. I have my own business, but like, I don't, <laughs> really? I, you know, I just sit at home on my computer. Right. It's so hard. It's been a pretty much a journey, I would say, in the last six years because. Uh, at university, I studied engineering. So beauty was not on my radar, right? I was wow. thinking of either finance or kind of working for, my dream was NASA. And that's why I'm actually wearing, you can't see in the podcast, I'm wearing a NASA <laughs> t-shirt. <laughs> t-shirt. Um, so that was my path. Uh, never did I think I would own a hair care brand. But then um, my father, he's actually in the beauty industry over 40 years uh, developing fragrances for, um, you know, he does celebrity fragrances like Naomi Campbell, Ariana Grande, Jennifer Lopez, and then also wow. more branded stuff like cool. Formula One and yeah, other things. So he, I've always been in the meetings. I remember like once you brought me in a meeting when I was like 15 with Naomi Campbell um, in the room and I was just like learning and you know, just being like on the side, listening in. So I guess I had a lot of beauty expertise being thrown at me since a child but I didn't actually put the two and two together since when I left university I worked in a couple of beauty and and kind of fashion brands I worked for uh, Burberry then Estee Lauder and then recently I was a global digital manager at Dior in Paris so that's when I really learned a lot about the beauty industry but my sister came to me about three years ago and was like look there's a gap in the market you know her hair was falling out and we used to have those childhood memories of hair oiling with our grandma who used to come from india bring these incredible ayurvedic plant roots make these like we would call them magical hair potions in the kitchen and massage them into our hair at night while telling us like stories so story time hair care weekly rituals and unfortunately all our grandparents have passed away so we lost you know we, we kind of were missing them and we were missing these rituals but our hair needed it and we went to the market and I was really fed up of seeing in the in the mainstream retailers and everything you saw mainly kind of salon professional brands, very few ingredient focused, founder led, especially in the hair care space, but also skin, mm-hmm. hair, you know, and beauty in general. And it was kind of like the, the stars aligned. We were like, this is it. This is the purpose. So while I was at Dior on the side, I was working with my sister and building this. Eventually, once we were about to launch it and we were launching in Sephora, it was like, OK, time to quit left it behind and now that's how I built the brand wow and can I just say casually I mean there's so many casual (laughs) first of all Naomi Campbell (laughs) and then secondly uh just launching into Sephora like incredible Uh, that's amazing it's been pretty cool I mean the the story of Sephora is pretty cool because it was just a LinkedIn cold message you know we just LinkedIn messaged the hair merchant we're like look me and my sister are coming to San Francisco. We've got this hair care brand rooted in deep Indian traditions. We would love to just share with you. And at that point, we had no samples, just a concept and a sales deck, right? So we managed to land a little meeting. She fell in love with the concept and was like, okay, come back in a few months, but with samples and I can bring a wider team involved. And we had a couple of meetings in the kitchen with Sephora. And then day one, we launched in Sephora US and Canada. Oh, so pretty much was a bit scary because launching with a big retailer from day one is like a lot of yeah. demand, need, samples, you know, investment. So it's kind of like we went all in or nothing. Like you know, yeah. all the money was on it. And then we had to, we had to, go for it and no looking back so 
Yeah. You know, what? I actually wow. really also respect you for not. Like, it's not like you were like, well, I had this link and I got in that way and I got in because of Estee Lauder or whatever. You literally, it's the same way I ended up my career. You just called, emailed, and it just worked out. It just shows you that if yeah. you genuinely just like try, you never know what could happen. That's amazing. You, you never know. And also, like, um, we actually, I managed to something. My my CEO Dior was really like my like mentor, and he helped me a lot and with everything in my career, but. He, he was like, look, I have a CEO of Sephora's connection. Do you want it? And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm putting myself in the merchant's shoe. You know, you've got to sometimes think mm-hmm. not just what's the easiest, but what's the best for the brand. And do you want it mm-hmm. to be dropped on someone's desk and like, you know, go launch this? Or do you want to build it from the root with the merchants who develop the brand? Really mm-hmm. storytell it and have them feel like they found it. They're going to push it more. And and also getting feedback because we don't even, we at that point, we didn't even know if it was a viable product. You know, we just mm-hmm. wanted to, hear it out but we made it in a very like tasteful kind of message it wasn't like hey here's a deck review it it was like we're coming to san francisco we have this concept would you be free for a coffee you know we're coming to your doorstep you know yeah yeah yeah. so that's pretty much it oh my god akash i just have to say um and Layla, i'm sure in fact i'm confident that you're going to deliver too but i'm obsessed with you already (laughs) (laughs) i'm obsessed already i'm just like wow <laughs> Tell us your story, Layla. Similarly to Akesh, I think I never really imagined myself kind of launching my own beauty brand at all. My background is actually in digital marketing. So prior to leaving work and taking the leap of faith, um, I used to work at an agency and I looked primarily after our beauty and fashion clients. And I think for me, it was a combination of like two things. And I always say this. So if it wasn't for YouTube, I don't think I would be here today. And essentially, it was the encouragement of like all my supporters. Years Mm -hmm. ago, I shared my recipe for at the time, my whipped shea butter that like I used to use on my hair and skin. So I made that video, posted it, and I just expected everybody to like make your own and use it type thing. And I remember people started messaging me like, oh, can't you just sell it to me? And so for a good maybe like two years, I was just like, no, like just follow the recipe. Like it's not that hard. It's fine. And I was at uni at the time. So I eventually gave in. So people would email me and then they could just like purchase it through Etsy. I'd list it. They would purchase it. Um, And eventually I was just listing multiple so people could buy it. But even at that time, I never really thought about turning it into anything. So graduated uni, started like my dream job, doing my dream role. At that time, I was spending like a lot of time looking into like clean beauty brands that I really admired. And I have a thing for like female founders. So I wanted to just follow like the careers of all these like amazing women that were doing so well in the scene. And one day it literally just hit me that, oh, like, where are the people that look like me? Like, where are they at this table? Where are they in this, like, you know, indie beauty space? And I hardly saw that. You know, I'd be going through, like, Instagram feeds and I'd be like, oh, so where's the brown people? There's there's no black people. There's no Asians. Like, there's, there's nobody apart from, you know, just beautiful white faces, <laughs> essentially. So I was just yeah. like, okay, cool. What can I do to counteract how I'm feeling, which is unseen? So at that point, I was just like, okay, if if I want to be seen, if I want to be create a space that I can thrive in and feel appreciated and thought about, right down to even formulations. So just products that are designed to work for me, with me in mind, how can I add to this conversation other than like coming on YouTube and complaining? And that's where I just decided to, to go forward and do this and, and start my own little baby. Um, and it took years. <laughs> it took a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um 
in terms of just like formulating and everything else because I number one was like self-funded and then number two it's it's literally like a one-man train so like I make all the products and everything else um and I think what really helped is the fact that I guess I had that digital marketing background so I had a really like clear idea of like visually and aesthetically how I wanted the brand to look um and I wanted it to be slightly elevated I didn't want it to just to be like oh me selling like a shea butter in like a pot type thing I wanted it to be you know like luxury but still quite affordable um and that yeah I guess that's where the baby came in and I just figured you know all the years of like being around my grandparents and just just being around like holistic beauty and just like a holistic lifestyle um this was the time to tap into that and really just like bring that over here um and what better way to be a fusion of cultures essentially (laughs) absolutely I love that people are like can you just make it for us and you're like stopping lazy make it yourself (laughs) (laughs) when really they're like here's a business business." (laughs) and it took me so long to connect the two because I just couldn't I couldn't imagine that people would want to buy something from me I I just Mm. felt like I felt like I had nothing to add to the conversation strangely enough so um yeah you were wrong I think sometimes I was wrong (laughs) sometimes you just need one person to like literally be like I believe in you by the way I believe in you a few times and then you're like oh okay maybe I I can actually do this you know yeah Yeah, totally Layla you mentioned a few of the obstacles that you had endured whether it was being the only black person in the room or person of color in the room or actually scaling your business yeah Akash what were your obstacles yeah what obstacles did you face at the beginning and even like throughout building your brand no absolutely I mean I think a lot of my obstacles initially were um mainly from Dior I I had so many especially being pretty much the only person of color in a boardroom you know full of you know a lot of white people (laughs) and and having Mm -hmm. that kind of mentality to explain that we're an international brand I really want to explain things from a everyone's point of view not just yeah. you know what would look good and you know you can see this and to be you know clear like a lot of these luxury brands you look at all the faces you never have a person of color it's always yeah. white models because they think that's what's going to sell the most universally yeah. you know, they're like you look at china that's what will sell but i'm like i went to china just now i saw uniqlo did a black model on a big billboard so it's not true you know like you're, you're it's just yeah. just a thought so i think having dealt with that from a young age and from seeing it in a in a, in a role I was I made sure that I was just very headstrong about it when I built my own brand and and I think choosing retailers and partners that were so alike like with Sephora they stand for this root and root and that's why they were our dream partners we were like we don't even need to explain it if not they're going to actually tell us a bit more to to be a bit more inclusive so that I think my main struggles were were admitted initially when because of my corporate career that I dealt with so many that I made sure when building this brand, I would try to avoid those. But of course, I think that balance for me was behind the fact that we're taking deeply rooted traditions from Ayurveda in India, but you don't want to be appropriating, even though I am Indian, or taking advantage of a, you know, a culture or something that is more than just you know, me. It's, it's, it's a whole country. And you know, initially, our products were still not available in India because of covid the issues, logistics. And as you know, Leila, like it's hard with demand and supply yeah. and production. If you're producing it in one country, we can't go global from day one. It takes time yeah. to, mm-hmm. to scale those operations and to make it a cost effective. So I think that was, I think, my biggest today even issue is like we're an Indian brand. 
giving, you know, sharing the world secrets of Ayurveda, especially America and UK is our main target audience and market. Yeah. Everyone in India is like, where the hell, why the hell can I not buy this product? Like, why are you using our things and they're not selling it in our country? And this is, I think, yeah. our biggest struggle today. Yeah. I suppose it's an, it's an ambition, though. It's something to work towards, but that is... Exactly. Um, it's a journey. That is it's inter- really... It's interesting, I, though, because it's like really a moral... Hard. Yeah, morally, you're like, oh, I feel really... I feel a bit, go- like, bad. Like, mm. this is kind of yeah. rubbish of me not to be doing this. But, exactly. But what am I meant to do? But and, and, and also like kind of like how I kind of target it is is like kind of exactly what you said, Leila, is like, you know, a lot of this stuff, especially we're using very raw, botanical, plant based, yeah. vegan. These are not these can be made in a kitchen. That's what that's what it was. When we grew up, they were made in kitchens and you know, in our home with our home ingredients. So in India, those ingredients exist and people probably mm-hmm. would go and already make them with their dadima and the grandmas and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of saying the Western world doesn't have access to these mm-hmm. deep, deeply rooted rituals. So our priority is like, you know, you guys already have it. We're bringing yeah. it to the world and bringing awareness to South Asian people of color, you know, this, the power of ingredient storytelling. My dad was born in Africa and he's lived his whole life in Africa. Um, and then he moved to London. So he very much knows he was from Uganda. So he knows all the ingredients from this side. My mom knows it from India. So my okay. dad's mom used to bring all of the kind of different roots and stuff found in Uganda and my mom from India. So I know that the balance of you know, African India, the, the, the incredible potent ingredients that the world needs to know about. Yeah. Mm. So, Leila, do you that. feel the same? I love that. Yes, I, like I do. I'm just here, like, like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a hundred percent. And I think, like, similarly, you know, I've had so many people be like, oh, like, when are you gonna launch in Ghana, like your Ghanaian, and you know, mm. um, and it, it's a hundred percent the same thing. And it's like, you, number one, it's it's not the easiest thing to do, and you know scaling and just being making sure that I'm able to to do that is something that it's definitely something that I would love to do and I do see in the future but right now it's really hard but yeah just similarly it's just like this is something that we've all been blessed with and we all have access to and it's now like you know bringing it to a different platform and allowing people over here to to tap into that essentially yeah it's that like um diasporic kind of guilt right Right, but there's also a beauty in being able to bring that to yeah. the West and like to have a con to we're not even I don't even like calling it the West anymore. The what the, what do we call it? The the North, the global north. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, the language changed yeah. at the start of 2021, which is oh. true, a good thing. True, true, true. When it comes to clean beauty, you're always like, what does clean beauty mean? Are there rules? Are there things that can anyone claim clean beauty or clean brands? What is there? Is there actual rules that have to be like a tick list? So for sure, like clean is it. Generally, there are certain things that I think is a norm of understood of what a clean brand should be. So, you know, you should have sulfate free, paraben free, phthalate free, you know, you know, mineral oils and all that kind of like there's a lot of terminology and, and kind of science it depends what is giving you the classification kind of like cruelty free there's different cruelty free like you know you have pita you have cruelty free bunny mm-hmm. so sephora has a clean up sephora symbol which has a specific group of ingredients that your product cannot have any traces of and especially if certain 
things that can react with your skin or cause issues or perhaps those elements are being tested on animals in other countries and where you're sourcing it so many things but it is very vague in a way because for example we're pretty much a very clean brand we've been noticed by all the kind of eco trend setting news platforms as, as one of the most clean hair care brands but still we're recently looking at working with goop and they've got a clean group of things that they they, they require and one ingredient that's not in anything else but is in goop's kind of terms means that they can't post about us because we have that one ingredient that usually leads to more foaming like a foaming agent which is important in shampoos and you know there's that balance about we could remove that but you also need to find some chemical induced things to make it perform better or to have Mm. lather or so clean I would say it's always changing every year there's more ingredients added Um, so it's also a journey of the brand like I always feel every brand is clean as long as I just try to be cleaner each and each year Um, as as a as we get more scientific and we get more uh, advancements in technology too but maybe Leila you have a what's your opinion on clean yeah I have a similar opinion on that and I think when it comes to clean, it is an ever-changing kind of um, platform and list of words, list of ingredients. And a lot of the time I find myself scrolling through brands and just scrolling through their ingredients and looking at like their ethics or their viewpoint. So a lot of brands that may class themselves as clean will have ingredients that aren't necessarily like Cosmos approved. And Cosmos is like a board that kind of governs what can be classed as a natural ingredient or if you'd want to, I guess, claim your product to be natural. So things that you can have in it and not have in it. And I have seen that it's constantly changing. So like a few years ago, maybe something that was okay as a preservative is currently not okay as a preservative if you want to class your product as clean. But it's consistently changing. But I do think it does also come down to what the brand's core ethics are and the things that you do, not even just in your ingredients, but as a clean brand, like what's your standpoint on being sustainable? What's your standpoint on being ethical? You know, sourcing your ingredients. Mm-hmm. I think all those elements is important. And I think what makes clean beauty something that is becoming more and more celebrated is that it allows our consumers to have a better insight into what it is that they're purchasing um, and what it is that essentially they're championing. So at this point, each customers like a a brand advocate right so when they feel like there's that level of transparency between you know the brand's ethics and then their viewpoints and their ethics then there's almost like a synergy there so I think when we look at clean beauty it's also important to like consider things outside of like the basic ingredient list as well. Akash so Fable Main so your products using Ayurvedic principles I was one where was I I was in the Fennec beauty hall and I met this lady who has an Ayurvedic brand and she get she was literally talking to me for like I'd say it was an hour telling me everything obviously I've forgotten everything but our <laughs> listeners I'm sure would love to know just a quick beginner's guide into Ayurveda also yes. if I'm gonna be yeah. really honest I don't actually know what Ayurveda is like I generally don't actually I don't know what even the word in the dictionary means I'm also gonna jump in and say I'm like the biggest fan of Ayurveda and it's like Mm. a huge thing that I share on the channel so I'm literally fangirling you right now Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all coming from different places (laughs) I love that (laughs) well also Leila then add some more parts after because you probably even know more than me but um Ayurveda basically in a nutshell it's 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 a I mean, I would say it originates in India and it's a four to 5,000 year old science. But what, what it means is the Sanskrit word of Ayurveda comes from Ayur, which is life, and Veda, which is a science of knowledge. 
So it's like connecting the, the knowledge of life is a translation. So connecting those two words. Second alternative way of looking at kind of medicine um, as a way of healing things. So you're going to your plant roots and, you know, botanics and stuff to basically heal internal and external. They're very much focused on the internal part as sometimes the root cause of things. If you fix your digestive tract and your gut health, you're fixing your hair growth, this kind of knowledge. So there definitely, there's a lot of factual evidence from the history of, you know, when people had issues, you know, a lot of people had to go to those plant roots to fix them because there was no doctors, there was no, you know, paracetamols and stuff. So you had to fix it with whatever natural ingredients you could find. And I think that's what Ayurveda today, it's more than just products, that it's a way of life. You have mm -hmm. beauty products, you have tools, like, you know, tongue scrapers, copper tongue scrapers, copper water bottle, all those things are like Ayurvedic tools, but you also got like rituals and techniques. So like head massages and lymphatic drainage or like dry brushing. Those are things that comes from Ayurveda. Um, and people love, um, yeah, mix and matching them into your day. And I think during lockdown, I've been really educating my audience and my social medias about the importance of adopting those Ayurvedic rituals and tools and products into your daily routine that suits you best to optimize your way of life. What are the benefits? It's a mixture of both the mind and body. Like I really feel it's one of the most strongest things that connects the mind and body because you have, um, I would say, the simplest benefits that people know that practice Ayurveda for a long time is prolonged life, stronger immune system, healthier skin, you're more brighter. There's a lot of things that Ayurvedic products have been proven to but also it's about the fact that it's not the only solution it's about intertwining it with your daily routine so Ayurveda is one it helps you but at the same time if you're you know if you're smoking every day or if you're drinking alcohol 10 bottles of wine and you're doing Ayurveda it doesn't mean you're going to have anything right it's it's it has to intertwine with your own daily life and change other things that are not necessarily Ayurvedic to have the most effect this woman yeah. that I spoke to she mentioned like I think it was like kapha and pitta was yeah, it? exactly. And, so you have and dosha that, is that dosha? Very, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you well have done, basically <laughs> that very, very. Um, these are the, the body types. So you have vata, pitta, and kapha. Um, they're basically pitta is the fire and water element, uh, vata is the air, and then kapha is the is like water and earth basically like they're three different things and a lot of people do these like if you can go on, like chopra.com like my godfather um, is deepak chopra so he's really like someone who like really exudes Ooh. this and if you go to chopra.com he's like a family figure he's like someone who's very uh yeah in our family a lot and um, he's drop those bombs literally just dropping and going <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's taught us a lot about it. But you can go to chopra.com and they've actually got a really cool quiz that makes you find your vata, pitta, kapha. We can mm -hmm. be hybrids. You can be a bit of vata, a bit of pifa. It's like a personality test, but it also tells you a lot about your body health as well. So, and then what she kind of products stuff. suit you. So yeah, definitely oh, try it. Wow. She's going to be uh, all over that. She loves that kind of stuff. Yeah. She's going to be tested. She loves it. And, and it all connects to like your chakras and your doshas. And yeah, it's all, it's, um, yeah, it's very interesting. When you go into it, you won't stop reading about it. It's fascinating. Oh, wow. So I'm going to save that for the weekend. I know you really, you literally are. I know you are as well. well. In terms of marketing, Layla, seems like both of you, I guess both of you have created brands that are like super deep rooted in tradition, in your respective cultures. Like it, it matters more than just what it is as a brand. 
I was kind of wondering, and I think we all kind of wonder this as we see the upsurge of um, the big beauty people and they're suddenly jumping on the bandwagon of like products. And as you said, I cash things that your grandmother would have made in the kitchen. Same for you, Dayla. How do you guys feel about that upsurge of beauty brands? Because sometimes I feel like, oh, I kind of want to try that. And then I feel a bit like, that's kind of shitty. Some, that's someone else's like, that's the history of someone else that you're doing that to. It's you know? so true. It's like when coconut yeah. oil became like the hot product and like every single brand mm. was uh, putting out coconut oil products. I remember my mum, I can't remember which brand specifically and I'm not going to show any brands. My mum bought one product in bulk because it was like, coconut oil she was like oh it's really good it's really like coconut oil is really good for your skin um and looked at the ingredients and it was literally just full of shit and I was like do not put this on your body um but yeah Yeah. how do you guys how do you feel about that I remember when I first came over here and there's like one particular like big kind of high street brand and I remember we went in and I was like, oh my God, like they've got shea butter products in here. This is so amazing. Because it was something that obviously like back home, like shea butter, we use it literally for everything, including cooking. So I was just really amazed that I came over here and this was something that was being used here. And at the time, I guess I I didn't know anything about ingredients. I wasn't as savvy. I was quite young. But, you know, now I look back or I even, you know, I pick up their product and I look at it and I'm just like, there's literally no shea butter in this product whatsoever but I think it had become like a big kind of hyped ingredient similar to like coconut oil so at this Mm -hmm. point it was like every brand had shea butter in their product but it was literally full of 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 trash and I think as much as this kind of you know new upsurge of like big brands kind of now you know trying to tap into that and create these products and things like that is I feel like consumers are a little bit more witty now everybody's I guess educating themselves a bit more everybody's a bit more conscious about what they what they're putting into their body what they're putting onto their skin their hair everything everyone is primarily thinking a bit more holistically when it comes to their wellness so from head to toe yeah so in a way it's like I'm not too worried and I think they can try but I think that in terms of you know the genuine smaller brands that are there that are making the bigger impact who have an actual genuine story as well I think we're good and it's it's just actually quite um it's entertaining slightly for me (laughs) to see it Um, it just kind of it's like lol no, yeah, that, I, I'm pretty much the same as Leila. It's, it's, <laughs> it's. I couldn't. I couldn't actually say it better because it is. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think your point as well about how it, people, the consumers now, they, 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 they're not only so much more wittier, but they're also yeah. so much more emotive. So at yeah. the end of the day, that they're, they're going to connect with the story that they know is compelling or not. And and then I think also then the end product will be so clear, as you said. Like you might end up, one person can purchase it, but then the repeat or the the reviews will then showcase the fact that was is it really the real deal and how Leila yeah. you grew up with your kind of ingredient storytelling to create the perfect products today likewise I think we both as founders can really say truly that I'm not scared ever putting my product in someone's hand because I know that they will like it whereas I'm sure yeah. half these yeah. big companies would be like oh like I don't know like you know do they really know their product mm. Totally. I, I love how you keep using um ingredient stories and yeah. it, it makes me think of um Akash when you mentioned about your um the rituals with your grandmother like or mm. your grandparents rubbing yeah oils so into oil. your scalp mm. and, stuff, and stuff like that but Layla I'm interested to hear from you any um 
rituals that were passed down. You, I guess you've mentioned that shea butter is something that is both eaten, cooked with, as well as applied onto the yeah. hair and skin. But what what <laughs> memories do you have? Um, I actually have a, a really uh, vivid memory of growing up and I remember at one point I was just like I was asking my mum and because I wasn't sure if I remembered it exactly how I thought I remembered it which was that my grandma had really long hair um, and even when just you know just before she passed away she had like really long um, white hair and my mum was like yeah that's because she literally used shea butter for everything and she would um, melt it down with like spices so like like um mm. clove, grain of Salem, um peppercorns, and she'd melt it down to like infuse it. And she would use, literally every night, similarly to Akesh, like do a scalp massage and then braid down it in sections. And I remember her wow. doing that. And I remember that she would um like when we would go and spend time with her, that she would do the same thing. And I just thought, oh my God, this is it's it's such a beautiful and unique experience to have because it's it's so rare now. And even in Ghana, like, I don't think it's something that people do as often anymore. Um, they definitely still use share butter, but of course, that kind of really gritty, like melting it on the fire pot outside and, you know, things have changed, you know, people, I guess, have the technological advances, people are using share butter in like loads of different ways. But when we just look back at like the very basics of it, just using it in its just like kind of raw form. Um, and I just really liked that idea. And I liked the idea and the fact that it was a ritual. And that was something that I really wanted to like perpetuate and push with Wild Seeds is that, you know, it's not about routines. It's not about, you know, using step one, step two, step three. But it's about creating your own personal rituals that allow you like an escape from like the world in essence or your busy life so the reason why we wanted to do this topic in particular is obviously lockdown is dragging so many of the usual shops that people of color would have normally gone to to buy their ready-made products are closed they're deemed yeah. as non-essential despite the fact that we can still get to boots and super drug so we wanted to know what natural products we might be able to find in our cupboard or, you know, easily obtainable from the supermarket or from food stores or wherever that can help with different ailments. The first one that I wanted to start with was dry skin. Just basic, but dry skin. I'll take dry skin quickly. <laughs> and actually something that I literally picked up on like Saturday, I think, which is aloe vera. I feel like aloe vera is really? the master healer. Yes. Ooh. Let me tell you about aloe vera, girl. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh. Literally, it's, uh, I would say, you know, with lockdown, with just it being wintertime, dry skin, dry air from radiators being on, you know, your skin's affected, your hair's affected, and aloe vera is super moisturizing. How um, It's so buy, nourishing. How do you buy it? Like, as, I mean, you don't buy the plant. I, I, I buy the you. whole leaf. You buy the whole leaf? I buy yeah. the whole leaf. I buy the whole leaf. Oh, you just like, wipe it on yeah. your body? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I buy the whole leaf and usually what I'll do is like buy the whole leaf you cut it up I'll just soak it for a little bit because there's like a resin in it that usually comes out like slightly poisonous apparently um I don't know the okay. science behind Good that tip. but apparently <laughs> <laughs> 
it's good to you either cut it and let it drip out so you'd see like this yellow goo usually comes out so you let it either drip out or you can just soak it for like 45 minutes and just to keep it fresher for longer what I do is I usually just blend it my Nutribullet and then I freeze it in cubes so then you just take out a cube when you need it and I use it for oh hair masks this is so nice. So good. Oh, yes. wow. <laughs> so good for the scalp, particularly. So if you're suffering from like dandruff, dry scalp. Oh, girl, that was our next um, one. Dandruff. You just nailed dandruff oh, as well with aloe vera. I just nailed dandruff. Listen, aloe vera's got you. You know, oh. and you can make your favorite oil and use it as a hair pack. You can use it for your skin as a face mask. Um, oh, if you've already you kind it. of. I'm, I'm selling it. Oh my god, I am sold. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the aloe vera cubes. I think that's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because it's so expensive as well. Like, um, yeah. the leaf that I bought was like eight pounds. Um, and the thing is, if if you once you cut it, like it starts to deteriorate so quickly, and you yeah. want to keep it as fresh as possible. Um, oh, yeah. so that way is a really good Thanks way. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. You are. Um, I'll, 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 I'll add a little. Do you want to give us dandruff? Yeah, oh, just some dry skin. I would say one thing mm. I would love, I really recommend is if you have a bath, is mm. get a cup of um oats, you put yes. it in the water mm. and soak yourself for fifteen minutes. It's gonna yeah. change your skin and moisturize after. So yeah. just your porridge and you're in your cupboard. Put oh, it in a bath. Yeah. Porridge in the bath. Yeah, make a go. giant porridge <laughs> <laughs> but for, for dandruff the thing I love to do it's um so I'm a huge apple cider vinegar fan and I take Ooh, it yeah. every morning I take a cup it's, it's horrible but it's, it's really good for you mm-hmm. to really just uh, improve your to increase your metabolism you know the acidity and alkaline balance and it's just really good for kick-starting your day but actually I one thing I do for my hair a natural apple cider vinegar rinse so you just take a cup mm. full, you put a bit of water and you just put that in your hair and you rinse it instead of a shampoo. Like it's like a low poo, but like you put it in your shampoo instead of a shampoo, you rinse that. Mm. Helps dandruff so well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. apple cider vinegar. Yeah. I love apple cider vinegar, vinegar in my hair. Rinse. Um, yeah. It tastes so oh, good. Oh, coconut oil also is really good too, I think. But um, Yeah, for dandruff, yeah. coconut oil is really good. Yeah. so bad oh. apple, apple cider vinegar you know? I, but you get you get used to it I tell you like you end up um but if you don't like to take it in the morning a shot um take those gummies there's a lot of these gummies now mm-hmm. apple cider vinegar gummies, the gummies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got capsules I've got a bottle in my cupboard because this year I was like I need to start doing it but I just mm-hmm. can't I can't do it yeah I know it's a bit <laughs> <laughs> um so the next question I think hope might be a bit more complex um, but maybe you've got a tip or secret somewhere. Um, it's hyperpigmentation. Oh, for, I don't know if it's really because hyper. I I use a lot of turmeric. I find it something that um, I really love using. But I don't know if it's for, truly for hyperpigmentation. But I think for you know highly melanated skin like ours, like it's really good just to yeah. put turmeric, like a like a, a little turmeric um, mask or turmeric add a bit of turmeric in you. Yeah, like yeah, the powder, but don't put too much because it can stain. I mean, it will come up, but mm-hmm. it's very uh, strong turmeric. Yeah. But I love, um, <laughs> we, we, we call them haldi, so we put turmeric. We also put oats. Um, growing up, we used to have this tradition where my, my grandma used to be like, it's like yogurt um, or milk, a bit of oats yeah. and turmeric. Um, and then you used to like put them all over your body. We used to like stand, me and my sister, over like towels. And then before, we, and then you leave it for like 10 minutes, it then solidifies. And then you wash it off and your skin will be oh smooth. Gosh. Your dark, dark spots will go. It's really oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
yeah yeah um and he's completely on the money um because turmeric does actually help with hyperpigmentation it helps to lighten it um and then the oats in there as well so that helps to just like soften and moisturize but actually one of the key the two key components in his um recipe that he's just shared with you guys <laughs> is uh, yeah so the turmeric and actually the milk because the milk has a natural source of lactic acid so you get that you know aha exfoliation on a chemical level as well which helps to take off the top layer another really good one for hyperpigmentation on the body generally is exfoliating but creating mm. sugar scrubs so sugar mm. is like a natural form of glycolic acid as well. So mm. sugar scrubs are really good, which you can do DIY. You can take some like raw cane sugar or brown sugar, a bit of honey if you're not vegan. You can use aloe vera, you know, aloe vera also helps. Oh, once oh again. no, girl. Ooh, you know, grab your cube. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Wow. Oh, the sugar well. one, I love. Yeah, sh- sugar and olive oil together is like the yeah. easiest DIY um, oil, and it's oily. It's like a it brings a bit of oil, but also scrubs. So, yeah, yeah. Honestly, we're never gonna need to buy products ever again because we're just no. like, you know, that's actually like the perfect thing. Because when me and my sister came for my sister, I give her credit for this, but she was actually like she wanted to put it into the marketing. I said, let's not yet. That's a bit confusing, but she was like, <laughs> we want to put something that says you don't need our products, but if you really want it here you go but it's like mm. unselling is a new selling like you shouldn't have 10 shampoos in your in your mm. shower like you just need the yeah. basics and most of it's found in your kitchen but we know mm. from a time perspective and easy access and you know some people don't have that aloe vera on the doorstep then sure we can make yeah. some products that have it all in there yeah but the yeah. best is what's in your kitchen half the time we have our last question so we like to ask um yeah, we like to ask our guests this. I don't know, Leila, maybe you have heard it. Um, but we, it catches people off guard every time. But our question is, and actually I'm going to go to Akesh first because I think it's interesting to hear Ma's point of view on this one. Akesh, when did you first realize you were beautiful? Wow. Uh, to be really honest, it's, um, I think, only recently, you know, I've had so much, like, only when I realized what beautiful means right and I think about four years ago I really redefined beautiful to not what the typical standards are like beautiful isn't picture perfect um photoshopped fair photos it's really about your inner feeling of as a human you're truly who you are and you're not nothing more than that you're not being a fake version of yourself you're being the most authentic Mm -hmm. version of yourself for me that's when I'm most beautiful and it was when I personally stopped caring about social media from a vanity perspective about mm. three four years ago I wasn't obsessed about likes comments picture perfect I said no longer do I ever edit a photo I said no longer do I do like promotions and stuff I said I'm just being my most organic authentic self and that was literally 2016 then I became truly understanding what beautiful means to me oh um oh so I think that growing so growing up mm. um in the household that I grew up in as well so I'm like the youngest of 10 whoa wow oh. and growing up you know I like I had all these like siblings and like my parents so 
it was I was constantly told that I was beautiful so for a lot of my life I thought that I believed that I was beautiful but as I got older I realized that I couldn't actually believe that I was beautiful because I was so critical about like so many things you know it was when I was younger it was that I was too skinny and then when I finally gained weight I was like oh no I'm too big um and I realized that actually I'm consistently criticizing myself so I can't think that I am that beautiful. And I would say actually leading up to 30. You know, people always say when you turn 30, you have this like yeah. life changer, revelation. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, true though. Was, it's hmm. true, no, no, it's 100% true. And I used to be like, okay, yeah, sure. But I think, so um, I'm 32 now. Am I 32? I'm 32. Mm-hmm. And I remember not long after I hit 30, I just realized that, you know what? I really like me as a person um, and I don't think prior to that I would have been able to say that you know what I really like me as a person and I think in that moment I realized like the beauty in just being like an imperfect human and I really love that about myself and I love that about myself more because I was able to be like very vocal and open about my shortcomings and I intentionally chose to be a more transparent person I didn't want to do this whole like everything's perfect I'm emotionally stable I'm fine I think I've reached the point in life where I'm just like oh today like I feel completely shit and and that's okay okay. I like that I I can say that I feel shit (laughs) do you know what I mean so totally um, totally lovely thank you for that for that realizing you know not like for bringing me to the point where I say I'm I can say that actually yeah you know you're 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 right like I agree with you it's um realizing that you're beautiful actually is outside of like the physical outside of like what you see Mm. in the mirror it's more of like an emotional awakening and I I think I definitely had that um not that long ago (laughs) and it's so important not to think about the physical because we're constantly changing and there's constantly Mm. someone else that we can easily compare to comparison yeah. is the worst thing that we can't avoid because it's human nature and if you yeah, live yeah. like beautiful is a physical thing first sure it's part of it but if it's first in your mind you will never feel beautiful i can guarantee yeah. you yeah amazing uh, you guys. before we let you go if you could please let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet sure um so you can find me on my instagram and youtube and clubhouse all the good stuff is meta underscore a so my surname underscore a and uh, my brand is fable and main uh, which you can find on fableandmain.com so you can find me at nephi frofro so n-e-f-f-y and fro like afro times two so nephi frofro and then my business page is at wild seed botanicals how great were they yeah i learned i honestly i was like taking notes by the end of it yeah, me too. <laughs> so have a bath with some oats. I went to the shop. I bought the aloe vera. I did the soaking. I made them into cubes. It's a whole thing. I did a whole aloe vera on my hair. I was like living. Layla oh, wow. Me. And so you did it on your hair. Have you put mm-hmm. it on your skin? Mm-hmm. Did it on my skin. Did my hair in the same time. I was a walking, walking aloe vera plant, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my flatmates were like okay <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> she's yeah, on was, the aloe vera yeah but it was so easy to do I like cut it up sliced it and then you just like push your fingers into it to bring the juices out and then I was just wiping it all over my hair I put it in the 
bun, I put a little cap over it. And when I'm washing it out, you can properly like feel it sort of like that it's seeped into your scalp and into your hair. It was really nice. I definitely wow. recommend it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I've not been okay. doing this. I mean, you didn't know until, well, Layla. thanks, Layla. <laughs> thanks, Layla. Have you taken the dosha quiz on Chopra.com? I have now. I have since. I would love that you were like, do the quiz. And I was like, oh, okay. And now I've done it. <laughs> I'm like, it's telling me stuff about myself. What did yours come up as? So I came out as 60% Vata and 40% Pitta. And so Vata, this type is full of energy and creativity, which I found very interesting because I see myself as a very low energy person, but I see <laughs> yeah, myself as a creative. Say, you, are, you are a low energy person. Yeah, I'm like 60%. And then 40%, this type are sharp thinkers, which I think is pretty accurate. Well, I got Pita is uh, this type of sharp thinker, same as you. That was 50%. Kafa is this type is warm of heart and steady of mind, which was 40%. And then I had Vata, mm. which was only 10%, full of energy and creativity, which doesn't bode well for the fact that I have a completely creative career. But that's what you're telling me. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I got 0% Kafa, so no warmth in my heart. And <laughs> I don't have a steady mind, which is obviously very concerning. But hey, we move. Yeah. <laughs> fun to do, though. It was fun. I just really enjoyed both of them. I think Akash and his, just like casual, mm. he's he's a supreme human being. Yeah, but he is. his casual, <laughs> casualness casual about drops. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like sat in a meeting with Naomi Campbell. Yeah. Sure. He just it was very chill, very chill by Sephora, very chill about everything. The Deepak Chopra thing. I was like, you're like walking, talking chillness. It's very, very cool. And then Layla, very with the cool. way she was, she was so passionate and I loved her passion. I loved the way she sort of yeah. led with like conviction and everything that she said. It is hard for black and brown people to be entering the beauty sphere. But I like one thing that she said that I really loved is that she said she isn't that worried about other brands because she thinks consumers are smart enough in this day and age to know what's pure and what's good for you and what's not and that conviction I find really fascinating I just really loved it yeah I agree if there's anything to take away from what they've both said actually is just like the importance of ingredients and ingredient storytelling I loved their referencing to both their grandmas actually mm. I, I think I might have to do Layla's grandma's shea butter mm. situation shea butter everything shea yeah. butter drinks at night yeah. Yeah, <laughs> shea butter melted. hair mask yeah. at night I'm just desperate for that <laughs> for that length yeah I know the way she was describing it I was like oh my god we need to do this but yeah it was amazing thank you to both of them for being part of the conversation I definitely learned a lot and I hope that everyone else learned as much as we did yeah me too well I guess that's it that is it until next time until next time the Unbrave podcast is hosted by Chi Yufuriyama and Basma Khalifa produced by Kadeen Bissett and Ayo Sule our artwork was created by Zenia Geller and soundtrack by Enoch Kolo. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure you've subscribed on your chosen podcast listening platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate us so more people can find us. And follow us on at Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time. 